0: Actually, if you don't mind, could you stand up again? Just stand up once more. Just for a moment, I want to see about something. Okay, yes, I see. Great, thank you. Perfect, I appreciate it. You may be seated now. I think I, I think I got what I needed there. Well, except though for, ah, uh, you know what? Okay, I'm really sorry, but I need you to do this one more time. That'll be it, I promise. This is it. Please stand up. Thank you really sorry about that. I want to see about something. Okay, got it. That's it? Okay, we're done. You may be seated. Appreciate it. Yes, you may be seated. It's just what I thought. I have a lot of power up here, don't I? <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Did you see what I just did? And I bet that at any time in this sermon, if I ask for an amen, I probably will hear an amen, you know? And I bet if at any time during this sermon I say, every head bowed and every eye closed, I bet most of you will, will do exactly that. It's incredible. This this power I have. What, what a great feeling. I don't typically have this feeling at home, by the way. I don't have this kind of control over my family. But over a large crowd like this, when I'm the speaker. When I'm dressed in my religious garb, I have this power. It's kind of scary. It's called the power of the crowd. It just draws you in. You can't really help it. If everyone around you is doing the same thing, then you will feel this compulsion to follow suit. It's the power of the crowd. It's it's like peer pressure times 20 people you don't even know somehow because of their sheer number influencing you to do things that you wouldn't have otherwise done on your own. It's a power so strong that it can even lead to riots in the street, uprisings, revolutions. That's the power of the crowd. It's the feeling you have when you're at a sporting event, you know about this, the ref makes a horrible call and All the fans around you start booing and shouting profanities and you just can't help but to join in, right? I mean, not me. Other people do that kind of... That's the power of the crowd. We just experienced this a moment ago, by the way. As we joined the crowd who had gathered around Jesus outside the city of Jerusalem. And with that crowd, we all spread our cloaks upon the ground, we waved our branches... We sang at the top of our lungs, Hosanna to the Son of David, the King of Israel. But then, only a few minutes later, we joined the crowd again, except this time they had gathered around Jesus at the governor's palace. And with that crowd, we demanded the release of Barabbas, and right after that, the death of Jesus We shouted at the top of our lungs, crucify him, crucify him. So much of a frenzy this crowd was in, so much of an uproar that the text says a riot was starting to form. That's the power of the crowd. You may not want to go with the flow. You may not want to blend in, but I'm telling you, the crowd has got your number. They will draw you in even when you least expect it. You know, it's, be, it's become common to point out that the Palm Sunday crowd and the Good Friday crowd were not one and the same. You've heard this, that uh, these two crowds certainly consisted of different individuals, as if to say that we shouldn't link them together. Well, okay, granted, I will give you that historical observation, but that does miss the point. Because according to Matthew, the crowd is its own character. So whether or not it was the exact same people singing Hosanna as it was shouting crucify him, that's beside the point. Because the point is that the crowd is fickle and shallow. The crowd is dangerous and they will suck you in. And the scary thing is that we don't even realize that we're being sucked in. It's like gravity and how the planets of our solar system have been drawn into their orbits around the sun, right? They can't escape it, but they don't really feel anything. I mean, that's what happens to us when we walk by a mass as large as a crowd, It draws us into its orbit. We barely feel anything, but before we know it, we are talking its talk, and we're walking its walk. We're embodying the very values of the crowd. That's its its subtle power. No wonder Jesus was not a fan. (laughs) It would bother Jesus to no end to turn around and see these large numbers of people behind him. At which point he would usually say these, these hard sayings, you know, designed to disperse the crowds. Not because Jesus was against people, but because the crowd is not fitting for a disciple. In fact, it's worse than that. The crowd is not only unfitting for a disciple, it's also out to consume them. Because the crowd is not only presented at its own, as its own character in the story, it's also presented as an assimilator of other characters, especially of disciples. It's like the Borg in Star Trek, right? For all those fellow Trekkies out there, a few of you, okay, you remember this? You might recall that the Borg was an alien group of cybernetic organisms, right? Linked together in a collective And their primary purpose, remember this, was was to assimilate all other beings and cultures into their collective. And resistance was futile. They will assimilate you. That's what the crowd is in the gospel stories. An assimilation machine. So much so that the crowd eats disciples of Jesus for breakfast. Assimilating them into their collective, into their culture, into their way of being human, or perhaps we should say their way of being subhuman. In fact, by the time we get to Jesus' crucifixion, the crowd has already finished its feast. For the disciples are nowhere to be found. They are left cowering in the corners, completely confused and disoriented. We thought Jesus was the one, the one to redeem Israel. We thought Jesus was the king. But he can't be. Because according to the crowd, a king doesn't wear a crown of thorns. A king isn't nailed to a cross. A king doesn't lay down his life for his enemies. Everybody knows this. That's the power of the crowd. And the disciples are sucked into this way of thinking so that they are nowhere to be found. Friends, this all should make us stop dead in our tracks because we live in a world that loves the crowd. In fact, there are crowds all around us sucking us into their way of thinking, into their way of being human. I wonder... Are you able to feel that sometimes? Do you see the crowds around you? I wonder what what crowds might be drawing you in. Where in your life are you getting so caught up in the frenzy of the crowd, in the voice of the majority, in the applause of this or that group, that you're being sucked in, talking its talk, walking its walk without even realizing it. I see this all the time. I see it in our political affiliations, by the way. If you're a partisan of this or that political party, you need to realize that that crowd you've associated with is a massive sun pulling all sorts of unsuspecting Christians into its orbit, shaping them to operate in ways that run contrary to the ways of Jesus, the power of the crowd. I see this also in our you know, regular everyday practices. Practices that the crowds of our culture are big to encourage you know, and thrust upon us. I don't know, practices of... Social media, our purchasing practices, our entertainment practices, maybe even our children's sports practices. It could even be our work ethic practices. All of these practices, endorsed and promoted by the crowd, assimilate us into something other than a disciple of Jesus. And again, most of the time, what's scary is that we don't even know it, because it's what everybody does. Everyone is caught up in the frenzy of the crowd. Everyone is mimicking the same taken-for-granted routines of life, routines that that we rarely question, that we rarely examine. All we do is we just perform it, because everyone's performing, and we perform them over and over again so that slowly but surely the church becomes assimilated into the collective, Disciples everywhere being consumed by the crowd. Maybe the Borg is right. Resistance is futile. For what can we really do? What can we do to resist that kind of power? The power of the crowd. Might there be ways for us to to maybe practice a little crowd control? Well, As you know, there is one who has never been beholden to the crowd, and that person is Jesus. Not once was Jesus ever sucked in by its power. Not once was he ever assimilated by its ways. What was it about Jesus that made him so crowd-resistant? It was the very thing we so often fail to see. Jesus had a clear vision of the cross in his life. You see, for Jesus, the cross wasn't only the anticipated goal of his ministry. It was also the means of his ministry, right? The cross was something that Jesus carried with him every single day, in every interaction, in every encounter, in his everyday walking and talking, the cross was first and foremost in his mind and heart. Can you imagine? What, what happens when you carry your cross like that every single day into every nook and cranny of your life, every relationship? What happens when you're always striving to put the interest of others before your own? When you're always striving to serve others rather than being the one who served, when you're always striving to die to yourself for the life of the world, what happens? Well, at least two things. First, you break the power of the crowd. The crowd's power is done. But then secondly, the cross that you're carrying, well, that gives birth to new life, right? Right? It's by carrying your cross that the kingdom of God comes on earth as it is in heaven. That's the power of the cross. Do you want some crowd control in your life? Do you want to resist the power of the crowd? Then take up your cross and follow Jesus. That will do the trick. Because the cross doesn't make sense to the crowd. The cross doesn't make sense to your political party, I promise you that. And so it will quickly unlock the grip of that crowd, the grip that they have on your heart, allowing you now to love the other more freely than you've ever done before. That's the power of the cross. Furthermore, taking up your cross doesn't fit comfortably into the business models of our world, does it? And so it will free you from that crowd's agenda as well, allowing you to work with others and in ways you never dreamed possible. Because no longer is it for your selfish ambition. No longer is it for your own success and accolades or, or maybe even just the accumulation of more and more stuff. No, now a cross shaped work is for the common good. It's for the flourishing of your own local community. That's the power of the cross. And yes, the cross will even release you from the social pressures that you feel as you mindlessly scroll through your feeds or post whatever snapshot of your day you want to present for the crowd's approval. No more will the demands of that crowd call for your attention all the time if you are daily walking in the footsteps of Jesus. That's the power of the cross. My my friends, the good news this morning for us is that Jesus is our crowd control. The good news is that Jesus came to defeat the power of the crowd by creating a new community, an upside-down community that is built on the power of the cross for the life of the world. And so the challenge for us this morning is first to lift the veil and take notice of that which is too often covered up in our lives. Thinking that the cross is only for some past transaction. Thinking that the cross is only for to secure my salvation instead of a daily working out of our salvation. We need to lift the veil and take notice of the centrality of the cross in our lives, right? That's central to what it means to be a Christian. And then, second, of course, we need to take up that cross in your everyday walking and talking, in your everyday spaces and places and relationships, so that you might not be tossed to and fro from this crowd to that, but instead mount a resistance, a cross shaped resistance produced by a cross shaped community, so that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. That must be our daily prayer. And so we pray, Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.